Hello and welcome to Community Topics, number 12 of Dualist Community. I am you, playing the part of Andrew today. And I am calling Jim Carrey. That's it. I've had enough beating around the bush on Twitter. Jim, if you can hear this, I'm calling you out. I would love to have a conversation with you. We know that you are not Jim. We know that Jim is just a character in the same way that Andrew and Ray are just characters. And we would love to sit and have a conversation about the interplay of our characters, all the lessons that we've learned from them and ultimately the insights that those characters can lead us to. So I recognize that our audience doesn't necessarily include Jim Carrey at this point, but it may one day. And if you are listening to this, I encourage you to jump onto Twitter, tag Jim Carrey in a tweet and tell him to join us on the Dualistic Unity podcast. You will notice on our own Twitter account, we are tagging him in almost every tweet just for the sake of getting his attention because out of all of the celebrities that I've seen, and there are a lot of insightful celebrities out there, Joe Rogan, uh, Russell Brand, it's Jim Carrey who is speaking closest to the point, in my opinion, from what I've seen. And it's Jim Carrey who is often the most misinterpreted because he is revolving so close to the point. People think he's crazy or that he's trying to call out the matrix of the new world order and they don't recognize that he's saying we're all one thing, that none of us are our names, that we are all the same awareness. And so that's our invitation for today. Jim, we would love to have you on the show. It'd just be a blast. We have no intention of, of talking about your movie career. We just want to talk about your existence and our existence and all of our existence. That all said, community topics number 12. We have two really interesting topics today. The first topic has taken weeks to become the winning vote, and it's on procrastination. I was going to make a joke about how we'll hold off on talking about procrastination till the end of the episode, but I think that's been played out enough on our Discord. And so the best thing we can do with procrastination, as always, is to tackle it first. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. After that, we're going to talk about shared consciousness, specifically the Global Consciousness Project and the 100th monkey phenomenon. So if you're not familiar with those, we're gonna explain a little bit about what those are as well, but we're gonna start with procrastination. So I will pass this off to Andrew and we'll let him get us started. Awesome, yeah, I'm very excited for this for this episode. And I was thinking about the two and we've always figured out how they tie together in the end. And I was like, how the fuck are these gonna to tie together? But I have a pretty decent idea about uh, how they're, going to end up doing so towards the end of this episode. And it really comes down to the core of what we're talking about. And so to start with procrastination, I think oftentimes whatever we're doing comes down to our priority. And Ray talks about this a lot that you don't necessarily need like motivation or discipline. It's just where are your priorities? Because the reality is that we're always doing something. And whether we're necessarily so consciously aware of it or not, we're always doing what is in our priority. So if we don't necessarily have something in our priority, we may be taken a number of which directions. And I think something we're seeing in our reality right now is that the bulk of people's time is not spent doing something that they really feel that passionate about. So that's why procrastination is such a common phenomenon because people have to utilize tools like discipline and motivation and sort of will themselves unnaturally to do shit. And because of that, 
we have a topic like this that's gotten brought up so many times and so many people are interested in it. And so I think there is sort of a core solution, which is obviously easier said than done. It's like always do things you're interested in, passionate about, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't always necessarily, you know, as they say, quote unquote, pay the bills in our society. So when you aren't necessarily doing something that is a priority and even when you are doing something that you're passionate about, there are going to be aspects of it that you don't necessarily love. And I think eventually, if you go deep enough down that hole, you can get to a place that you're most of the time doing what you love. But, you know, I take dualist and I promise I'm going to get into some like procrastination specific stuff at some point here, but talking about dualistic unity, for example, like Ray and I are very much bootstrapping all of this and we've been doing it for a year, but just the two of us. We don't have, you know, a team behind the podcast, anyone who edits anything besides Ray, anyone who clips up videos besides us, anyone who does anything besides the two of us. So there's a lot of things that we're doing right now, but as it continues to build, eventually, you know, we'll probably get to a place where there are some people within the dualistic unity, you know, employee <laughs> program, or I don't even know what the fuck to call it. I guess a company fuck, um, who are doing some of the things that maybe aren't our inherent priorities. So we're more able to just, you know, talk, shoot the shit, have the conversation, chat with people. And then, you know, there isn't so much need for the motivation to maybe do the fringe things that we don't, aren't super passionate about, but we know that, you know, to keep this thing doing, you have to do some things that you aren't so crazy about. So all of that being said, getting into those aspects of our lives, because they are so common, there are some things that I've picked up throughout my life, some things I've learned. And I think one of the biggest things before I pass it back over to Ray is, is being able to break things down into smaller experiences. I call them mini goals. For example, I probably heard that somewhere at some point, but it's basically a lot of times we procrastinate because something that we're focused on is so overwhelming, so big, our mind can't even fully digest it. An example I like to use is, you know, a 30 page term paper. Our mind sees that and it's like, well, fuck, I don't even know how many hours, how many days, how many weeks this is going to take me. I can't even comprehend it. So I'm just going to push it off to the side and focus on something else because it's not necessarily something I have to do immediately right now. It's, it's down the road. But if you were to break that down and recognize that you don't actually have to write 30 pages today, you can just write 10 pages or five pages or one page or one paragraph or one sentence or even one word, or even just open up your computer. Because oftentimes the most difficult part of doing any task is starting. So if you can get your mind to a place to recognize like, oh shit, all I have to do is open up my computer. And it's like, okay, we can do that. And it's like, oh, all I have to do is open up a Word document. Oh yeah, I can do that. And it becomes more and more digestible. You can actually wrap your mind around the task. And then usually once you get going, it, it sort of begins to snowball because odds are, you know, even if you set a goal of opening up your computer, opening up a Word doc and writing one word, by the time you're there, you're like, okay, this is way easier. There's not so many steps in between me and the thing that I have to do anymore. So let's write a sentence. And it's like, that turns into a paragraph. And then maybe you're like, all right, uh, that's enough for today. And then you close it up. But that's that's better than doing 
nothing. And then, you know, the next day you can pick up, sort of go through the same process. And that's sort of how I have learned to do things that maybe I'm not so passionate about, but I'll pass it back to Ray. That's good advice in general. I mean, just one step at a time or, or how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Don't look at the whole elephant. That's going to you know, make you feel like you can't do it. That's going to wear you down. You're going to start telling yourself a narrative about how much is ahead of you and you'll lose all of your momentum. And so it's just one bite at a time. That's really important to remember. One thing I enjoy about the procrastination subject is that what we're really talking about is development because in the world that we live in, we tend to think in terms of the external reality that we're a part of. We, we think objectively, we think about, I have to do this next and that will get me money to pay my bills. So I have to do this job, which is going to make money to pay my bills, which is going to let me sleep here, which is going to let me go and get more stuff and have uh, enjoyable times in my life which will lead me to the next shift where I'll make more money to facilitate all of that. And so it's very much focused on the end result in the short term. And as we know, going through school, grade school, especially, that's exactly how we thought in grade school, just got to get through this test, just got to get through this exam, just got to get through this course, just got to get through this semester. And as we got older, and, and what did we do in grade school, actually? We, we relied on certain things such as, you know, setting priority, um, identifying small goals, small achievable goals to give ourselves momentum, identifying issues that we had with the thing that we were going into so we could figure out why we were so apprehensive, right? And these were all strategies that they taught us, accountability, like you got to think about your grade, you got to think about your history, about your future and all of that. But we weren't learning necessarily how to just achieve that end result, we were learning about ourselves. We were starting to develop a longer view of our lifetime. So now it wasn't just about getting out of school. Now it was about getting a job after school. And then it became about having a career or having a house or getting married or having a whole lifetime. And so we start thinking in wider and wider and wider context. And that changes a lot of our priorities. It changes what we want to do and why. But most importantly, it changes our perspective from just the accomplishment of things to the changing of ourselves. And so with procrastination, I find that often we tend to consider it as a reluctance to enter into a new room or a new situation. But in reality, procrastination is the reluctance to become a new person. It's the reluctance to let go of the person you thought you were. And often that's what we're avoiding is we're just avoiding the unknown, we're avoiding developing ourselves as people. And that's part of procrastination. We're resisting our growth because it's uncomfortable and it's the unknown. And what I find really interesting is that just like with that example of school, when we are thinking in certain ways because we're children and we're still developing egotistically, people who are procrastinators typically have an enlarged amygdala, just like we do in early teenage years. So the problem is, is that their fear center is overdeveloped. So everything is a matter of, oh, how does this affect me? Oh God, it's the end of the world. Oh God, how's this gonna go? And so it's all fear instead of what am I gonna become? Clear thinking, how is this going to help me grow? Where is this going to take me next? What is this teaching me, right? And those are all parts of the prefrontal cortex. So as with everything in terms of development, we are training our brain to think a certain way. And so every time we procrastinate, every time we resist growth, we are training our brain to rely on that part, on the amygdala, which is always trying to keep us safe. It's always trying to panic. It's always trying to identify, right? And as we train ourselves to push beyond that, as we train ourselves to fail, as we train ourselves to just do one bite at a time, 
what we're doing is we're training our prefrontal cortex to take in information from each and every moment that we're experiencing. And so we're training our brain to make decisions. We're training our brain to attempt things rather than to take that protective stance, which of course we're going to take when we haven't been taught to necessarily adapt in the moment where we have been taught to rely on structures, where we have been taught to rely on end results in order to make us more valuable or in order to make us feel more certain. Right. And so all of these things come together and you realize, holy shit, the reason that we're, we procrastinate so much isn't just necessarily that we're doing a bunch of shit we don't want to do, but that we've never been taught that the stuff that we're doing can actually make us grow, that we've, we've never been taught to look at the shit that we're doing that we don't enjoy and take something out of it that helps us grow as people. It's always about just getting to the end of that situation or the end of that job. But it's during that job that you're learning patience that you're learning attention, that you're learning acceptance, that you're learning awareness. All of those things are in the moment of the thing that you're doing. So don't push yourself to stop procrastinating just so you don't procrastinate. Push yourself to do things for the sake of doing them because each and everything you do helps you grow. And what's interesting about that is the more you do that, the less you will procrastinate because you are training your brain to want to grow. You're training your brain to embrace uncertainty. And so you're taking the power away from your amygdala and you're reinforcing that you have the power to learn from moment to moment, rather than that you need to be protected at all costs from failing. That was, that was very well said. It's, it's interesting because it's like, because we have all of these external valuating factors, be it about ourselves, you know, what society thinks of us or seeing the value in the external environment we don't inherently see the value in each and every moment, which is the truth of what we are. So we don't inherently see the value in ourselves that we have in every single moment. And so there's multiple aspects of this that are coming into play. And, and so we're not able to see the inherent value in us. So then, you know, we see how we're being perceived and seeing the fluctuations in all of that. But then at the same time, because we are valuing other things so highly and have this idea of what value is and like, oh, if I get these things, then I'm going to become more valuable. And, and we attach to the external to bring ourselves to them thinking that like they're, we're going up with it. And like our value is going up. We don't see the value in each moment and, and the true value, the true inherent value of every fucking thing that we do and the impact on ourselves and the impact that we have on everything else in every single moment. And so as we recognize more and more clearly how much and, and how clearly we are the world, we are reality, we are God, we are the universe experiencing itself, we see that every single moment is an opportunity to shift, to change. And so when it comes to procrastination, this is more or less a new perspective that I'm, that I'm running with that Ray's sharing right now. So if it's new for you, it's new for me too. And, but I like it because I see obviously where that comes from. And so coming back to, you know, priority, like when we see the priority in everything else, because at the end of the day, like we're always just trying to see the value in ourselves. We just don't understand. We're confused about where it comes from because we're confused and thinking we're this idea. And so our, our priorities lie outside of ourself which in turn refers to outside of the moment because they're one and the same. So as our priority lies outside of reality, which is only ever this moment, we're not going to be able to see 
the opportunity in each and every moment. And, and the priority, as you see that more clearly, the priority comes back to that. And then procrastination isn't as much of a thing because like Roy was saying, it comes back to resistance to uncertainty or resistance to change or resistance to growth because they're all the same exact thing. So as you recognize more clearly that you're just change in every single moment, there isn't that fear of change anymore because it's inherently you. It's, it's what you are. So you don't have to continue reaching outside of yourself to see, you know, these superficial changes in yourself, in reality, in your value or fear the superficial changes based on what someone else thinks of you, based on how someone else judges you. You see that it's inherently, you know, what you are changing in every single moment, not necessarily fluctuating in value, but changing value stays the same no matter what. So as you see that more clearly, you know, procrastination just doesn't become so much of a thing that you experience in your life. Exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because it's a counterintuitive in the extreme. For example, normally we try to use a deadline or a goal to motivate us through procrastination. I'm eternal. To me, there's no trajectory whatsoever. There's nowhere for me to go. So I have the most reason to not do anything. If I really wanted to take it that way, I can go, well, I'm eternal. Why do anything? But that's the point. I'm eternal. Every moment is an opportunity. Every moment is a chance to express myself. So I'm not ever trying to get to an end result. I'm just really enjoying where and what I am all of the time. And so as a result, procrastination to me feels weird. Like it feels really weird when I know I want to do something and then I, my ego kicks in. It's like, but do you, because you're kind of comfortable and do you really want to go out today? And then I'm just like, right. But I know where that goes. And that's the first thing that goes through my head is I know that. What don't I know? And then I'll go and do the thing that I was procrastinating about. And it's not because I feel I should. It's not because it's an obligation. It's not because of any other reason other than enthusiasm and priority. It's for me. So why would I put it off? Right. On the other side, if I truly decide I'm not doing that today, I don't feel bad about it. I don't judge myself because it's not always procrastination. Sometimes it's just reprioritizing and that's okay as well. Be careful. The urge to self judge just because you're changing direction. Sometimes you have to change direction. Other times you don't, and you're doing it because you don't want to find out what's in that direction. And that's where self-honesty comes in, in general. That's where it's really important to reflect on, am I just afraid of seeing what I could become? And that is often the case. Uh, I know Ariel here and now, she's been talking about this a lot on her TikTok recently about the fear of being seen, which is a perfect example. You know, we have this fear of people looking at us, but at the same token, we want people to look at us, right? And it's like, okay, so which is your priority? Why do you want to be seen? If you want to be seen just for the sake of, of getting value, then that's always going to be terrifying. That's always going to be a source of fear because then how people see you can tear you down or raise you up, right? But if you want to be seen because you're just there doing your thing and you don't give a shit, right? You're no longer afraid of being seen. It's not a consideration. Then it's just the next part of your growth. It's organic. That's what we're trying to train in. That's the part of all of this that's developmental is that procrastination is really just our resistance to growth and maturity. It's all it is. And as we push through it, we get better at pushing through, it, which leads us to the exciting next section of our community topics conversation, shared consciousness. Because just as 
every time you train yourself to push past procrastination, you are making it easier for your brain to push past it next time. Every time you learn something like that, you are actually contributing to the shared insight and lesson that we all have access to. And so the next part of this community topics episode is gonna discuss first, the Global Consciousness Project. Now, I heard about the Global Consciousness Project back in I think 2008. Uh, it had already been running for a decade. As of that point, um, they had, I believe, 70 or more uh, random number generators planted all over the world. They call them uh, eggs, which is funny because they're rectangular shaped. Um, and basically the theory behind this, this consciousness project was do specific emotional or, or major events in the world cause those random number generators to start showing more patterns? Does it cause them to become less random? Because the thought being that all of our consciousness combined is actually affecting physical reality on some level. And so what's interesting about this is that they saw some correlation very early on. Uh, the death of Princess Diana was one example. 9-11 uh, was another example. In both of those events, the random number generators started showing significantly more patterns, less random numbers. And so what they're trying to indicate is that we're all tied together. All of our attention suddenly broke down the apparent randomness and started applying kind of an order. And so I look at that and I think, huh, that's interesting. That, that seems like a mind that's still very distracted and looking all over the place, right? A little less distracted because it's focused on one thing, but it's still got all those, those voices and those echoes in the back, very much like an egotistical mind who's always thinking about itself can't focus on any one thing. So when I see the Global Consciousness Project have these results, but because they're questionable, because we don't know the right questions to ask, because we don't know how to crunch this data, we can just see that there's something happening, but we haven't figured out how to explain what that thing is. So I'm just gonna pass this to Andrew now to get his thoughts on that. And then we'll get into the hundredth monkey. Yeah, so it's funny because Ray is like, you know, 2008 is the first time I heard about Global Consciousness Project. And for me, it's like, I've heard it in passing. I've honestly never really looked into it until it came up on Community Topics. But I was like, all right, probably start doing some research. This one seems to be doing pretty well. Um, but it's it's one of those things that this is, you know, this is one of the another one of the cores of dualist community that we talk about on repeat and and in a lot of you know my own videos and something I've been talking about for over a year now. And so when it when it when I came across it, it wasn't like, oh my God, what? Random number generators, like we random number generators, we we impact reality? Like what? That's crazy. It's like, yeah, no shit, obviously. Or it's one mind expressed infinitely. So of course there's gonna be an impact. And and so when I was thinking about you know these two topics in tandem. I, I recognize and something you've talked about a lot before with procrastination is priority relative to procrastination. When your priorities are in sync with, you know, what you're doing, then procrastination becomes less and less of a thing. So it's interesting when our shared consciousness, when something becomes a priority, be it our attention on an event, you know, things start to shift. So it really makes you wonder, like, when are priorities become more and more aligned and more and more through the lens and through the recognition of unity, like how much of an impact can that really have and, and how much of a shift and, and where is, you know, that tipping point? It's fun to think about. It's not, it's less so important as just the actions at hand, the conversations, the, the recognitions, but 
you know, of course there's going to be an impact of our attention on a unified event because, you know, we are reality. We we're it, you know, you go back to the big bang just for this universe, for example, like it was all very much more obviously a localized, you know, field of energy, ball of energy, whatever it is. And it's like, that's no different than it is now. And we've talked about it in the last couple episodes. Like we never left the void. Like this is still it. Like we're still dreaming one mind expressed infinitely. As I said before, like, of course there's going to be an impact with when more of the mind is focused its attention on a certain thing. But I'm curious, you know, with the, with the random number generators, like I I'm sure like to, and to play devil's advocate, I'm sure a lot of skeptics are just like, you know, oh, it's just because everyone's TV is on the same channel or something and, and stuff like that. But it's still even just having the conversation that we have every week, you know, when we go beyond and even with our conversation with Sean yesterday, you know, asking, are we something that has consciousness or, or are we just consciousness? And when you go beyond the labels, like it doesn't take that long of a conversation to pick apart sort of the division that we hold on to and being able to recognize that it's all an illusion. Like you don't really have to go that deep. And I, I say this from a place of, you know, we filmed 70 episodes talking about this fucking recognition. So of course it's going to seem obvious to me when I come across something that shows or not necessarily proves it, but shows something closer to, you know, some scientific or some physical evidence of it. So yeah, it's, it's clear, of course, it's going to be the case, but it's a lot of fun to talk about. And and I'm glad that it got brought up this week for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's really interesting. We've talked about this uh, recently in terms of the, the meditation in 1993 in Washington, where they had like 800 meditators and managed to drop the crime rate by over 20%. So we know that there is some effect that we have in terms of our awareness. We know that we don't necessarily know what that effect is, but that it is there in the same way that we can't seem to understand how we are connected to reality as the observer and the observed. And that's largely because of our ego confusing us. And we, we know that. But as we progress, and this is something I said to Sean yesterday at the end of our episode, after we had, had stopped recording, was I was thanking him for all the work that he's done in his life and all the, for all the insights that he's worked on, all the fears that he's faced, because we all benefit from it. And it's not that I believe that, it's something that I've, I've seen in my life. I've seen how insights ripple from person to person, whether they're communicated or not. And what's interesting about that is the 100th monkey phenomenon. And this is really interesting because it happened back in the 50s where they were studying this group of monkeys on this island close to Japan. And these monkeys enjoyed eating sweet potatoes, but the sweet potatoes were always covered with sand. And so they were watching these monkeys and one mother monkey, I'm assuming that's the correct name for the mother monkey, was raising her child. And she noticed that she could just wash the sand off the sweet potato. And so she taught her child to do the same thing. Well, over the course of the next six years, I believe it was, more and more of the monkeys started picking up that you could just wash your sweet potato and eat it. And they were watching as you know, they approached this critical point where more and more and more of them were starting to learn this. And they figured, well, it's just a matter of time. And if 99 monkeys learn it, the hundredth is going to eventually. And so they watched that happen. But what they didn't expect was as that critical turning point was passed, groups of monkeys on other islands that had no contact with that initial group of monkeys started learning the exact same trick. 
with no contact. Why? Well, because we all share an awareness. And specifically, I think that the awareness that we share also is largely dictated or influenced by how we identify. This is why I've often said that people who live in a certain city together often will share a certain degree of consciousness because they all identify as, say, New Yorkers, right? Or, or people who identify as human or monkeys who identify as a certain type of monkey. There's a shared consciousness there because there's a similarity that we identify with. And so we're willing to almost enter that shared consciousness pool just because it, it resembles us, or at least that's the way I look at it. Now, what I think is really interesting is that we've seen this on a larger scale, but we don't really talk about it because it's probably uncomfortable to our current narrative of human history. And what I mean is that there are pyramids literally all over the world. And there are pyramids that are all over the world in civilizations that at that point in history shouldn't have had any contact with each other, or at least not that we know of. And, and I'm specifically talking about the Great Pyramids and all the pyramids in, in Egypt and Africa and whatnot. But then there's the Mesoamerican pyramids, there's the Yanaguni Monument off the coast of Japan, which is underwater, which basically looks like a giant pyramid or something very close to a giant structure. There's uh, another pyramid off the coast of Cuba that's been identified that's over 6,000 years old. There's another pyramid under the ocean near Portugal that's been identified that's almost 10,000 years old. And these are all over the world. So just like with the 100th monkey, we started building pyramids everywhere, right? And why? Well, because they have symbolism. There's huge symbolism to pyramids, not, not just to mention the fact that they may have actually had some scientific or technological purpose that we don't currently understand. But when you look at the history, when you look at how old these things are, we're talking about a mentality that we no longer understand. We're talking about a mentality that was vastly less egotistical back then because we weren't empire building. We were largely tribal. So it makes you wonder if those pyramids came from a history that we have forgotten that we've discussed before in terms of the great flood or some other natural catastrophe basically knocking us back to the stone age these pyramids are possible evidence that at one point we were vastly more connected or at least vastly more aware of how connected we are at least that's my thought on it now how about you oh yeah yeah i mean i could definitely see that and we've talked about this so many times that people think that we're at the peak of intelligence like our society right now is the peak of intelligence there's no you know data there's there would be leftover things from the past if we weren't you know the we were not the most intelligent creatures to ever exist and on the face of all of existence and and reality and it's like it's such a limited low level fucking egotistical view of reality to think that this is the peak like we're still fucking fighting with each other like we had a nuclear nuclear bomb dropped like not that long ago like we're blowing shit up left and right we still see each other as inherently different we call people from a bordering country aliens like come on this is like as i said i think i don't know recent episode this is bordering on idiocracy that movie and if you haven't checked it out you should because it's pretty funny and uh it's a good one and i don't see us as that different from that based on where our priorities lie, what we focus on, the fears and worries that we have in our day-to-day -day lives that have nothing to do with our survival anymore whatsoever. They're all rooted in illusions. Like that's really the peak of intelligence. Like I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so at all. So I think absolutely there's probably in the last 
you know, what do we have 10,000 years of written human history? Like, you know, even during that, we have very little from 10,000 years ago before then, who knows what, uh, what was, but as you see eternity more clearly, like, of course things have, have been, and there's probably been much deeper recognitions of human potential of reality's potential as, you know, reality. And as, as you clearly, more clearly recognize that those priorities shift and those things that you hold on to so tightly no longer matter as much. And, and you start to see things, I don't know, in a, in a clearer way. And it leads to a lot more interest in focusing on, you know, larger projects, something like a pyramid would arise likely if a lot of people wanted to focus on figuring out something cool that I'm sure, as you mentioned, has some other significance that we probably couldn't even understand right now. So it's also interesting, like being able to see everything going back specifically to the hundredth monkey experiment, like how they were able from different islands to start understanding these things. And so it allows you to sort of recognize more clearly that there's a deeper intelligence going on. It's completely interconnected with everything else. And it makes me wonder with the ego, because that is what divides us, what creates this illusion of division. Again, not a bad thing, just is something that we can utilize for, you know, identity for convenience sake, but it isn't the truth of what we are. And so it makes me wonder, because I've been thinking a lot over the last few months about the imagination and like the potential of that and how much you can really see, like I'll be on a walk and I'll use my imagination to like, look as if I'm in a drone above me, like walking down the beach. I was doing this yesterday, just like seeing myself from different angles. Like I have all these cameras around me and it's like, yeah, you could say, oh, it's just the imagination. Or could it be me tapping into a localized point of awareness that I also am seeing this idea? And it was, I never did any shit like that before I recognized more clearly that I wasn't Andrew. So it's interesting to think about how maybe the ego is something that blinds us from being able to see everything. Like maybe deep down, say we completely let go of ourselves. not to say I'm anywhere near this, but if you were able to get to that point, like how much you could see in reality. And so as we let go more and more, how much more of reality, maybe not, you know, physically see, cause that's just another one of our, you know, human senses, but be able to tap into. And the more you let go of those layers, the deeper you get, the closer you get to the point, the closer you get to that deeper level of intelligence, the more you're willing to let go of the illusions that keep you divided from your recognition that you are just reality. Yeah. And we see that on smaller levels all the time in terms of just conquering cognitive dissonance, right? Like when we're confused and, and dealing with something new and we don't want to let go of the way we used to think, we just get stuck and we go through all of this discomfort and we can't even move. It's a large part of procrastination, actually. So the same is true globally in terms of all of us being connected, like we are suffering through a huge amount of cognitive dissonance right now. We're all very confused about the fact that we all seem to be divided when we're not. And the more you question that, the more you deal with your ego, the more you start to recognize you're not what you think you are, the more you start to see, not only is it easier for you to deal with other people or deal with situations, but you actually start to get more sensitive. 
you actually start to recognize when people are feeling certain things without them necessarily vocalizing it. You actually start to recognize when people have a certain insight just based off of, again, sensitivity in the room. I'm not gonna say it's based on body language because in all honesty, I've felt the very same thing without even looking at the person in the room. Because again, our heart sends out a constant wave of energy that's measurable up to several meters away. And again, just measurable with our current technology. It doesn't mean it stops there. It just means that's as far as we can measure it. So if we're not aware of all of these impacts and we're receiving all of this information and our brain is, that's the important thing to remember, no matter how confused you think you might be, your brain never stops processing billions of bits of information every second. So you may not be aware of how much you're aware, but that doesn't mean you're not aware. It's just how much you're focused on what you're confused about that's taking away from the general awareness that you could be accessing. So it's important to remember that in general, but looking at that on a smaller level, you do start to see how our relationships change, how our communication changes, how language starts to become less and less important. Have you ever noticed how really egotistical people have difficulty having a conversation, even when they're speaking the same language, because they will both nitpick about words and concepts not exactly matching what they expect them to match. Whereas somebody who's not egotistical will infer the meaning that you are trying to communicate on their own in order to help perpetuate the conversation and facilitate more understanding. They will actually take that step to try and understand rather than just expect you to meet their expectations. So we see how communication already improves upon questioning the ego. Question is, how do we change as a species, as a group, as those egotistical walls start to come down? How does that change our perspective? How does that change our communities? How does that change how we deal with the government, with money, with everything else? And that's exactly what we've been talking about. We talked about this yesterday with Sean as well. We're so focused on the world that we're dealing with that we don't recognize the world we're dealing with is a result of the confusion that we are perpetuating each and every day. If we were to all just work on clarity, Everything we do would change and the world that we exist within would have to change accordingly, whether it likes it or not, because our priorities will be different. Our fears will be different. There are the levers that the system is used to using to, to govern us and manipulate us won't be there. They won't know how to manipulate us because we won't need anything. We won't be afraid because we're eternal and we'll be able to work together because we know we're all one. And that's where we can go, but it only happens through you, you, individually, you, the person listening to this podcast, you are all there is. The more you know that, the more I know that, the more we know that, the more we are capable of embodying that to a greater degree on a larger scale. And then who knows what's going to happen from there? Who knows what's possible? But an entire society of people who recognize that they're in this together, on the most fundamental level is a society that I think can do anything. Yeah. As you, as you change, the entire world changes. So you see yourself as the world, everything shifts. And I liked the uh, conversation example and someone who's more egotistical oftentimes nitpicks at the conversation. And I see that in parallel with people who try and, you know, change the external world because in the conversation, the person, you know, it's, it's two people who make up 
the conversation. And as you see yourself more clearly as the conversation, you want to perpetuate that conversation. And that's why you would infer and keep the conversation moving as opposed to stagnate it, not go anywhere because you see yourself as entirely separate from the other person, AKA separate from the conversation. As you see yourself as the conversation, you see yourself as the other person. So relating that to recognizing that you are the world and this whole, you know, sort of very egotistical belief that, you know, no, I don't have to change the whole, the rest of the world has to change. Like, I don't have to do anything. I'm perfect. What do you mean? I'm a good person. I do the right thing. Like, fuck you. Get off your fucking high horse, you jackass. And recognize that you're perpetuating things too, because you don't see yourself as the world. And that's going to be exposed and shown through your actions that you take. And as you see yourself more clearly as reality, you see that everything you do shifts reality, including shifting your own perspective and including letting go of the walls of the narratives of the story you hold on to that divides you from reality. As you let go of believing that you as this egoic character is something at all divided from me, from Ray, from reality itself. And so, you know, what are the impacts as we, as we start to shift and where is it, it's fun to talk about, but where, and maybe we can talk more about this on a Patreon call. Like where do we think the critical mass point is? Where is that hundredth monkey? And I think, you know, we're, we're at least shifting in the direction. I don't want to say right direction, but direction towards ourselves, direction towards unity, as opposed to away from division while at the same time, we're moving towards division at the same time. So it, it makes you wonder like where, where do those two, two pools sort of like exist? And you know, who's to say it's like both and neither, like we're all both divided and believing in that and recognizing unity in some aspects, in some ways, it's all going to be a spectrum, but you know, as that spectrum shifts and, and starts to swing back and forth and we start to see it more clearly and just express it and talk about it and shift ourselves really and be willing to look someone in the eyes who calls you crazy and just be like i'm recognizing it and and this is this is it i'm you and if you can't see that that's okay but you're still holding on it's because only because you're still holding on to all of these narratives and and training wheels and things that blind you from this recognition because you think that's what gives you value. You're confused. Your priorities are out of whack because you're believing illusions to be the truth. And as you begin to let go of those, as you begin to see things a little bit more clearly, those delusions don't have as much of an impact anymore. You're able to see the illusion for what it is. And that's all it ever comes down to. It doesn't mean you can't take part in it. It doesn't mean you, you know, have to be like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not this person. There is no meanness there. I am everything and nothing. And it's like, you can, you can go by your name still. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing inherently bad about the ego. It's just a tool. Recognize that it's a tool. Keep moving forward. Embody the recognition that you know that you're not it. You're never the story. You're never the thing you think you are. You're never the thing anyone else thinks you are. You are what is, and you always have been, and you always will be. Hell yeah. That was great. That was perfectly said. I just want to say that quickly. It reminds me of a comment that happened recently on your TikTok and your Instagram account where you were talking about toxic positivity. And somebody was saying like, you know, well, people who have achieved a higher state of consciousness have worked to get there and therefore they can discern who is low vibration and high vibration and, and all of that stuff. And 
I was immediately uh, caught by the expression higher state of consciousness. And I, I wanted to say this quickly because you caught it in what you were just saying and you corrected it and I thought it was perfect. But I wanted to say what we're talking about, the, the lessening or the cessation of our fixation on the ego, blurring the lines, being able to recognize that we're all one, all of that stuff is not a higher state of consciousness. Consciousness is always at the highest possible state because consciousness is everything. Awareness is everything. You can't really improve upon it, but our experience of it can change. It's not that it's a higher state. It's just less divisive, which implies a different environment, which may indicate different abilities. And that is what we're exploring. Not because it makes us better, not because it makes us more superior, not because of anything else. In the same way that we don't develop to become a better person, we develop to experience more peace. We develop to experience more clarity. We develop to experience more in the, in the way of empathy and enthusiasm in life as a whole. And so it's the same on a collective level. As we all individually tackle our egos, collectively, our priorities will change to enthusiasm and empathy. And that's the world that we're looking at, or that's the world that's possible for us, but it's only possible through you. It's only possible by you focusing on yourself, working on yourself for your own reasons, not to get ahead, not to be better, not to do anything other than just remove the conflict between you and the reality that you're observing, the reality that you currently think is separate from you, because most of your suffering comes from that perceived separation. And if you can just work on that, you make it easier for the rest of us to do that as well. So that said, I want to say thank you for all of the work you've done in your entire lifetime. I also want to remind you that since time doesn't exist, you are not only affecting Andrew and I and everybody else who is currently on the planet, but you're affecting all of time and space forever. So you are the definition of powerful, regardless of how you see yourself. This is one thing I want to mention very quickly, because we're going to explore this a bit at the retreat in terms of manipulating reality. Does my awareness influence physical reality? That's not really the question. The question is, why am I not aware of my awareness influencing physical reality right now? Because it's already happening. And it always has been. It's just that we miss it because we're caught in an illusion. On that note, we're going to wrap up community topics number 12 right here because this was a great conversation, but I know we could talk for several more hours on this one because this one gets bigger and bigger and bigger. If you would like to suggest a topic for next week's community topics, please join us on Discord or Patreon. Every week, the community votes on which topics become the episode's focus. So next week is community topics number 13. Make it a good one. We're looking forward to the challenge. Thank you for joining us, everybody. I'm going to pass it over to Andrew here before we wrap up. Yeah, I just want to reiterate uh, how much fun the retreat is going to be and and the ability to you know maybe tap in there or test out or, or not even because as ray just mentioned you're always impacting physical reality with your awareness there's nothing that is more impactful at any given moment it's just that when more localized you know points or whatever become aware of itself it's not even that it's like just letting go more and more of the idea that there is any division of the illusion that there is any division, like the impacts are more obvious, more clearly recognized as opposed to maybe being a little more subtle when there is less of it 
in a, in a localized field of point or whatever you want to call it. So anyway, yeah, can't even say how fucking excited I am for the retreat that's coming up so fucking soon and still a couple tickets left. We're, uh, yeah, in discussions with a few people that, uh, you know, so those may be gone pretty quick here, but yeah, I can't fucking wait. I am so pumped to get up there. It's going to be a fucking blast. Absolutely. And I just want to leave the listener with this thought before we move on, because we did start with procrastination. We did move on to shared consciousness. We all know that the world as it's running right now can't last. We understand the system, the way of life that we are existing within. It's designed to fail. We know that. We know what needs to change. But we are not willing to let go of who we think we are in order to be that new species, in order to be that new mentality in order to be what we know we need to do. And so we are procrastinating on a collective level because we are still developing on a collective level. And as long as each of us is working on it on our own, that development is assured. It's going to continue. I am inspired. So I'm looking forward to the next several years of my life. I'm looking forward to watching these ripples spread. I'm looking forward to season four. So we're going to wrap up here. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye, everyone.